Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Weinstein, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. Today in the program, I am talking with Melissa Brown, a professor in Cedarville Social Work Program, although our primary conversation will focus on her family's adoption of their son, Joey, which took place late last year. Melissa earned a degree in social work from Cedarville University in 2008, then a master's degree in social work from Ohio State University. Melissa, as you will soon discover, is a very busy person as she juggles her faculty role with positions with Crossroads Hospice and Dayton Children's Hospital. But that's not all. She's a wife, a mother of four children, and it's the most recent son that is the focus of today's podcast. So let's go to my conversation now with Melissa Brown on the Cedarville Stories podcast. Great to have you in studio again, Melissa. This is your second time with us. That's right. As I mentioned in the introduction, the main point of the conversation is your adoption of Joey. The last time I had you on the podcast, I, I learned that you're from Oswego, Illinois, and it was while you were a student in Oswego that you came to Cedarville for an event, a weekend event, whatever, um, but you had a very eventful ride back home. Tell us that, about that story and ultimately how you met your husband. My husband and I actually met in fifth grade. And when he came to my church, but the event that you're talking about was when our youth group came to an event at Cedarville called the Youth Alive Blowout. And our youth group came. In high school, I had had an injury in gymnastics, which resulted in me having to be done with the sport. And I started working at a job and I met some friends there at the restaurant where I worked. And I started to make some poor decisions and didn't have the best of friends But the Lord came in um, back into my life around my sophomore year of high school, and I made a commitment that I wanted to follow him. And our youth group soon after went to the blowout conference here at Cedarville, and I rededicated my life to the Lord uh, after hearing the speaker. And when I was on the bus ride home, it really began to sink into me that um, I didn't really have any friends anymore. And making a total change in my life meant almost starting over. And I was sitting by myself in the church bus, and a friend, or more of an acquaintance at that time, came and sat next to me, Tom, and was just kind of talking to me about, I was being very quiet, and he was just kind of asking me what was going on. And I was sharing what the Lord was doing in my life, and he just kind of said, well, I'll, I'll be your friend. And we just celebrated our 16th wedding anniversary. That's great. Congratulations. So... Do I remember correctly that on that bus ride home, it was nonstop conversation between you and Tom? For the most part, yeah. Uh, Any favorite story come out of that? (laughs) Uh, Not that I remember, actually, or not that I recall. You know, I have done more of my life with Tom than without. Like I said, we have known each other since fifth grade. So I'm sure there were all kinds of stories that were exchanged Probably the the more memorable stories came after that as we redeveloped our friendship sure. and we kind of developed a new friend group within the youth group. My good friend uh, became, her name is Amanda, and Tom, myself, my brother, there were several of us that would hang out and there are many stories that developed after that point. Uh, I know as a social work professional, people in that field deal with a lot of difficult situations and it can impact them personally if they're not careful. How are you able to cope with the ugliness of life in your role and as you teach social work? Well, I want to begin by saying that 
secondhand trauma or trauma as a result of bearing witness to other people's trauma is not always avoidable. Right. So I do have some secondary trauma in my life. And I, I won't lie and say that it doesn't affect me personally sometimes. The things that I see professionally, there are some things you'll never forget. And so I, I don't want to pretend that there is an easy coping mechanism that okay. takes away some of that pain. It does affect me personally sometimes. But going back to your question of how do you allow it from getting to you maybe on a deep level, and the previous podcast I had shared one of my favorite verses, which is Proverbs 15, 3, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch over the evil and the good. And as I age and as I continue with my practice, I see over and over how the Lord walks with people over the years you know, benefit of being in social work practice over 15 years now is I can see how the Lord has carried people through immense difficulty and challenges. Progress and growth doesn't happen in weeks or months. Many times the fruit comes over the course of years, sometimes even a lifetime. So a joy of walking with people over a long period of time is getting to see the growth Getting back to your question of how do I keep it from bothering me, I think it is spending regular time in God's Word and disciplining my mind to focus on Him and not the what-ifs or why or why-nots. It's being able to lay my head on the pillow at night, being able to trust Him and His Word, that He has a reason for allowing anything and everything into a person's life. Do you think seeing those situations as you do is a re- major reason or a reason that your faith has strengthened. Do you think those two go together? Absolutely, they do. One of the joys of my job, you know, it's it's easy to focus on the difficulties of social work. And when right. you tell people you're a social worker, myself, students, friends, many people will hear in response, I could never do that. But I like to reframe that when I have the opportunity to do so of you have a front row seat to suffering, which is difficult. But the flip side of that is you also have a front row seat to seeing how God works and how God uses his people and the lives of many people to to strengthen and to encourage others. You first met Joey back in 2015 when he came to the United States for reconstructive surgeries at Shriners Hospital. How did your family get connected with Joey. So we were introduced to Joey, as you said, in 2015. We met Joey after being connected with him through a former social work alum. Um, Jennifer was going to my church at the time, and she had put a post on the ladies' Facebook page that a family on her caseload, who was also host family for Agape China, that they were looking for a host family to take in a little boy over the summer. So I responded to the Facebook post, and I made a variety of phone calls And that's how we were connected. So Joey, at some point, was badly burned. What's the story about Joey and his injuries? Joey was burned around the age of three. And some of the the story isn't quite clear to me. And we've heard a few different uh, explanations. Okay. But what he has explained to me is that he was with an uncle and a cousin, and they were lighting fields on fire for fun, and he got stuck behind a essentially a wall of fire. And so he, his uncle kind of jumped through the wall of fire, grabbed him, and grabbed him out. 
Joey is burned on his face and on his head and on the tops of his feet and the tops of his hands. So percentage-wise, he's not burned on a large percentage of his body. It just so happens that it's on the most noticeable part of his body, which is his face. Right. At some point, I think it was during Joey's first trip to the United States, his biological family uh, asked if there was an American family that would be willing to adopt Joey. You guys thought about it, but you declined that first invitation. What was going through the mind that you didn't think it was right for you to adopt Joey at that time, I should say? Well, I think children thrive best when they are with their biological family. God designed the family, a nuclear family, for children to be with their parents. And even when, in my professional experience, even when children are adopted in very loving homes and are raised even from infancy, there is always a longing question of why wasn't I good enough? Why couldn't they keep me? And that does not negate the loving care that they receive from their adoptive parents. That doesn't mean that they didn't receive the loving care that they should have had. There's just always a deep-seated longing of what if and who are they? And Joey was old enough that he had attachments to his parents. He had memories with his family. And to expect to remove him just because we have economical opportunities, it just didn't quite seem right at the time. That just because he looks different and life would be difficult would not be a reason to permanently detach a child from their parents. So how much connection does Joey have with his biological family, even today? He still talks with them on the iPad, kind of like a FaceTime, if you will. Uh, He will speak with them once or twice a month for several hours. The challenge for him is, of course, going to be language. He doesn't speak his native tongue very often, and so he is losing some of the dialect that he speaks. And uh, he does not read or write much Chinese, but he will communicate with them to the best of his ability. It's still a strong relationship, and and it probably will continue to be that way? I would say it's it's as strong as it could be. Um, I do anticipate that he will maintain a relationship with them throughout the duration of his life, sure. Was it more his family's desire that he be adopted, or did Joy have an interest as well? His family made that request. So as I understand it, Joey needed additional reconstructive surgeries in 2019, so four, four years later. So a return to the United States was necessary. During this time, he stayed with your family for about six months. How long did Joey actually stay with your family before anything else happened? Joey returned to the States in May of 2019, and the plan was for him to likely return in January or February of 2020. Okay. He had surgery in either November or December of 2019, and then he went for his follow-up visit with his surgeon in January of 2020, and he would have been cleared to go home. However, at that time, the COVID-19 outbreak had already occurred in Wuhan. And Wuhan is the capital of the Hubei province, which is where he's from. So a return to China was not possible. At the time, we had no idea what this coronavirus was going to be about. So the thought pattern in January of 2020 was, let's just wait it out. It might be a few months, and then he can return in the spring or maybe the summer. But... The COVID-19 virus continued to spread. We know there was a massive international crisis at the time, and there was a pandemic, and Joey just continued to stay. The quarantine restrictions for people returning to China, the reason that Joey couldn't go back 
was because people going to China coming from the United States had to quarantine in a government facility for two weeks. Mm. And Joey's parents, there was a request at the embassy that Joey's parents be permitted to come in and quarantine with him. But the Chinese government said no, and they rejected the request. So at the time, Joey was only 10, then 11, then 12. And the thought was, you know, he's just really not able to be alone because of Joey's trauma um, developmentally, he has been a little bit delayed. Okay. So the concern was even as he was aging, he was not fully able to care for himself without the help of an adult providing sure. supervision or yeah. prompting. Right. And so it wasn't safe for him to go alone. And he's a very vulnerable person. You know, he's a child and may not be able to articulate his needs very clearly. So the concern was him being alone for that extended period of time. So by the time that it was determined that somebody could return with him, they were looking for a volunteer that would be willing to quarantine with him for those two weeks. Because again, they might have to quarantine for two weeks in China, but then they'd have to come back to the States and quarantine Quarantine. again. And my husband and I were just not able to commit to that, that time frame. Last summer, so summer of 2022, is when we were making final arrangements for him to return with a volunteer and his parents made kind of one last request. Is there any way that you would ever be willing to keep him? And though Tom and I have said for years, no, we just don't really feel the Lord calling us to adopt him. We Neither one of us felt comfortable saying no. I, I remember that conversation. I remember that moment like it happened yesterday. We were both sitting on the couch in the living room and I read the translated text to him. And we were both just quiet. And I said, I don't know why. I just don't feel like I can respond no. And he said, I don't think I can either. And I don't know why. And we sat there for several minutes just kind of talking about how strange it was that we had so easily and quickly said no in the past, but neither one of us felt comfortable saying no this time. We we just talked about it ongoing. And um, Lord, we are willing to do it, but you're going to have to make it happen. Adoption is a very difficult process. I mean, it may look good on the surface, but it's a difficult process for people to go, what was made clear to you by the Lord that you should adopt Joey? I think you've hit the nail on the head when you said that adoption can be a difficult process. And there's certainly different layers to what that difficulty looks like. There's the difficulty, of course, with the legal aspect. There are a lot of financial burdens that come with it. But emotionally, it can be difficult, too. You know, Joey is a child that has emotional attachments to other people in another part of the world that have different cultural values. Right. And I don't want to pretend that that didn't exist. Joey, of course, is attached to us and he cares about us. But in his heart and in his mind, he has parents. We will never take the place of his parents, No. no matter what paper says. And that process is very difficult. But your question of what led us to adopt Joey, it wasn't a, could we rescue this child? It wasn't the beautiful picture of, can we save this child from his difficulties in China as much as, are we going to be obedient to what the Lord is calling us to do? And the sacrifices of adoption are sometimes intangible and hard to talk about. And our desire was to be faithful and obedient to the Lord, regardless of the cost. Not just financial cost, but emotional cost and a lot of intangible cost, right? 
definitely, we had a child that was having a hard time accepting that Joey was going to stay personally. Their relationship has been fraught with some tension. So this idea of Joey staying was very hard for this child. So my husband and I had to balance, will it look unloving or uncaring to this child that we are, of course, committed to because this is our biological child? And this child said several times, I feel like you and dad love me less because you're not listening to what I'm saying. That is a very difficult thing to hear as a parent when you're torn in different directions. God, is this really what you're asking me to do? Because this doesn't look right. This doesn't feel right. Yeah. But obedience to the Lord will cost you something. And I remember Tom and I talked about, what if this child grows up resenting us forever, thinking that they were never loved and cared for? Now, I'm not saying that you ignore those things. We had many long conversations. And when we talked to this child about what are your oppositions, it wasn't Joey was not you know perpetrating on this child. Joey right. was not doing anything alarming towards this child that would require him to be removed from the home as much as childhood bickering. And this particular child was, you know, getting older and having difficulty adjusting to people staring. You know, they didn't like that people would stare at Joey or stare at us. This child didn't like the extra attention. A lot of people would ask, how was Joey? And this child realized no one's really asking about me. And so there was just some typical childhood, maybe jealousy, more so than a legitimate reason to not provide safety and shelter for Joey. But we knew that it could cost part of our relationship with this child. It would take years to develop maybe that trust that we do love that child and we are listening to that child's concerns. And that child may not have the same perspective for years until they're an adult. But that was part of the process that was immensely difficult. And I don't want to discount how that played a role in the difficulty of the decision. So you you stayed obedient to, to Christ. How long has Joey been in your house as your adopted son? So the adoption was finalized in September of 23. So as our adopted child, that would make it four months. However, you know, we have had a relationship with Joey since he initially came in May of 2015. So our home has many deep-seated memories with right. Joey in it. Right. So how has the family united as a family, including Joey? We're definitely making progress. I have had some excellent help through friends or professionals along the way, giving me feedback and helping me in understanding bonding and attachment, not just with me as a adoptive parent, but also with my children. So I would say that that's a work in progress. But like I mentioned earlier, progress sometimes takes years. Growth is something that is developed over time. And so having patience with not just myself or my children, but also with the process itself has been very enriching in my life, Yeah, but challenging. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier about Joey talking to his biological family and, and somewhat how difficult that can be because Joey's losing that language and he's probably speaking more in English now. How is Joey adapting to... American culture and living in a new environment, even though he's been here multiple years now, but it still has to be a little bit of a challenge for him. Is that a fair statement? Well, Joey has been living in the U.S. for four and a half years at this point. So I would say that he's essentially integrated into American culture. 
and has adopted the American values. So the challenge isn't necessarily now getting him to adapt to U.S. culture and customs as much as helping him interpret some of the things that he hears and sees when he speaks with his parents. Okay. So helping navigate the Chinese culture. What are your hopes, your and Tom's hopes, as you continue to raise all your children, as Christ would instruct you to, what are some things that you can hang your head on that you're really optimistic about? You know, Tom and I, our goal, our end goal for our family is we want each of our children to have a walk with the Lord. We want them to know the Lord, to walk with the Lord, and to have a desire to know Him and serve Him all of their days. My goal is that they would be united as siblings and that we have a strong family unit, that we can, of course, have some traditions and get together as a family and have strong family ties. But my greatest desire is that the Lord will use them wherever He sees fit, whether that's here or abroad. And my goal is that they are wholeheartedly following the Lord. You know, Tom and I actually just got back from a two-week trip to Florida with my family and my siblings. We were all there. All 24 of us stayed in the house together. Wow. And my sister, one of my sister's in-laws said to her after we returned, it just seems like your family enjoys being together. And that's kind of unusual. And I guess in my mind, it doesn't feel that unusual because that's what I know. But I think that that was an insightful comment And I would hope that for my children when they're adults and they have families, I hope that they enjoy being together. You know, in in the midst of childhood squabbles or arguing or someone took this or someone took my time with this or whatever, you know, it's hard to conceptualize. Are you going to have a harmonious relationship with each other when you're adults? But my hope is that they will. I hope that they love each other, that they will serve each other while also loving and serving the Lord. And you're planting those seeds right now with all your children, and you're showing them how that can happen and how that should happen. Do you see that happening even in the near term? I hope so. We try very hard that when we do things, we do things together. So it's not just me and a child or Tom and a child. We try to do a lot of things together. Um, We also try to spend some individual time with our children. Of of course, with four kids, that's very difficult to spend one-on-one time with a child. But we, we try to integrate regularly that you are each other's family and you need each other someday when you are an adult you know this friend may not be here but your brother or your sister will be and so we try to encourage them to be friends with each other and to do things together as a family unit and we try to model that by doing things with our extended family as well so just for context purposes you have four children what are, what are the ages? So Joey is the eldest. He's 13. Okay. And then Michael is 11. Kyle is nine. And Piper is seven. I, I know there was a photo that I saw on the day that Joey was adopted. It's The, the scene is the family's all there. Joey's standing next to the judge, and the judge hands him the gavel, and he clanks the ham, uh, gavel down. What was that moment like? And And when you see that picture, what goes through your mind? A lot of joy. It was so wonderful to just see the process take one more step. While the adoption is finalized, we still have another year or two of work ahead of us for Joey's immigration things for his citizenship. So the process isn't over, but it was very nice to see another step completed. I was so thankful to... Uh, see, we had friends and family there supporting us in the courtroom and also online via Zoom. So I would say hearing the gavel 
it was just, I don't know, very happy, very joyful, and very rewarding. Did the judge have anything to say, or was that just pretty normal for him to maybe hand the gavel to a, a child? He made a very encouraging comment. Uh, we had several church family members in the audience, as well as some people from my family as well. And he said, you know, we don't always see this and just what a joy it is to see this child so well supported. And just what a joy that was to me to know that Tom and I are well supported. We yeah. have wonderful friends and family from our church and community and you know, certainly in our family as well, that are so supportive of Joey and us. And the judge was right. Not everybody has that. And I don't want to take that for granted, right. that people in our lives are so kind and so loving and so supportive. So I will always remember his kind words of encouragement, but also what a reflection that was of just how kind the Lord has been in my life to to give that to me. Yeah. I would say what the judge saw, and I don't know the judge at all, but what he truly saw, he may not have realized, was the love of Jesus flowing from a family that is just a reflection of what Jesus did for us. I think that's a great picture, and I'm glad you shared that with us. My last question, Melissa, as we close, because uh, there's, there's a neat story here, and that is you chose Joseph. Joey is a nickname. Why Joseph? Well, that, that kind of has a couple folds to it. When Joey first came, when he was about five— my oldest sister had actually lived in China for a number of years, and she spoke quite a bit of Mandarin Chinese. And even when we were shown his name, it's his name was Z-E-X-I. So in our English, we would say Zexi. And she's like, no, it's correctly pronounced. Uh, I'm still going to butcher it, but like Zexi. And because Chinese is, to is tonal. And so it's not just, it's also how you say it, not just what you say, but right. how you say it, if it's correct. And I thought, how is he ever going to go to kindergarten and no one will get it right? And she says, well, that's why most Chinese students pick an English name because then it's easier for their peers to pronounce. So she gave us a list of here are some suggestions. And ja was a sound that would be easy for him to be able okay. to say. She had actually kind of produced a list of names and, and Joey was one of them. So when he came to the States for the first time, she stayed with us for a couple of weeks to help him get acclimated to American culture, but also some English. And she asked him, would you like them to call you Zashia or would you like to be called Joey? And he said, I'd like to be called Joey. You know, he might have just thought that was fun or funny yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And so um, when it came time to legally adopt him, we said, you have the opportunity to change your name. We can leave it as Zushi or you can keep it as Joey. Joey is also short for Joseph, if you'd like to be called Joseph. And Joey has learned about many Bible stories over the years that he's been here. And we've commented to him in the past, you know, isn't it funny that we call you Joey, which is short for Joseph, just like Joseph in the Bible, who was separated from his family yeah. and had to learn a new language and a new culture. But years later, he was reunited with them. And so when provided the opportunity to change his name, he decided to stick with Joey or Joseph. And then he said, I, I'd rather be Joseph, but everyone just called me Joey. So he chose that name. We couldn't help but note the divine overlays between this Joseph and the Joseph in the Bible. One additional thing. Um, so all of our middle names start with the letter D. I, my middle name is Diane. Tom's is David. And then our kids all have D middle names as well. So when Joey was to pick a middle name, we said, what about Daniel for Daniel in the Bible, who had to show immense bravery 
we kind of walked through and, and he liked that name. So his middle name is Daniel, which I think is also a great reflection of someone in the Bible that had to show a lot of bravery in the midst of immense challenges, yeah. just like Joey. Yeah. Boy, you're doing a great work and it uh, doesn't mean it's easy, but I want to thank you for being open to the, the leading of the Spirit as you made that decision to adopt Joey. I want to thank you for being a trusted colleague here at Cedarville University. We can have fun together every once in a while. You pick on me a little bit, but that's okay. Someone has to do it, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for really being transparent today on, on the podcast. It's great to share this story. And uh, I encourage our listeners, as you go about your day, you you think of Melissa or Joey, just, just pray for them because um, they're still on a journey. Thanks again, Melissa, for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I want to thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. You are encouraged to share, like, and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another Cedarville story for God's glory.